Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 533-42 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text Hope NY in New York. Hey guys, welcome back to Point Kentucky. I'm Hunter Mitchell. That is Leah Edmond. How are you, Leah? It's a somber evening for Point Kentucky, unfortunately, tonight. Our final show of the season as Kentucky falls in a five-set heartbreaker to Arkansas tonight. Cats fought to the end, especially after Arkansas went up two sets to one. Um, it, it was looking like they might uh, end in four. It was looking like we were going to be done early, and they they forced that fifth. I think used a lot of their energy left and a lot of that emotional energy um, to get to that fifth. Arkansas races out to a 5-1 lead there in the fifth and never looks back. Kentucky pull within one at one point, but Arkansas responds again immediately. Leah, first takeaways from that match. What did you see? Why was this different than the other two matches this year? They played them so differently. Like it looked like they were thinking so much more than they did before. Like swinging wise, they were doing things that I hadn't seen them do like all year. And especially against an undersized team, they were playing avoid the block a little too much. They were pulling down so much, especially when you saw a lot of those replays, you saw that that ball was barely crossing the tape. And so of course that's why Arkansas let him blocks because you're hitting lower than you've ever hit before, thinking yep. too much making too many errors. I mean, for me, it was the errors. I mean, you had, what, 31 attack errors, yep. 10 service errors, and three blocking errors. So that about sums up almost two sets worth of points that you just gave them off of errors. And at this point in the season, you can't make errors like that, like right. at all. Like, And they, they hit their season high in attack yep. errors, which is like, this is the last time of the year that you want to do something like this. This is when you need to play the cleanest. And so 
it was like almost like since they went back to Zavani Center, they played like how they played the last time that they were there. That was not the Kentucky team that we had seen the past couple of weeks. That was very much Kentucky in the non-conference. They had like really good spurts of moments, but it was just kind of like too many errors, too much thinking, too many people doing things they haven't done all season. And this is just not the game to do it, especially against a team that you have seen for the third time. They are pin dominant. They're only going to set their pins and they struggled so much blocking them so many balls waterfall in front which is like that's just plain blocking technique that has nothing to do with how hard someone's hitting the ball that doesn't have anything to do with if you read and saw where you were supposed to go correctly that's literally if you pressed your hands over the net so like just overall just like was not the game i was expecting from them and the game they needed to play at this point in the season Especially when you play a team like Arkansas that is so old, right? Taylor Head, Jillian Gillen, Maggie Cartwright. This is a veteran Arkansas team. That senior class had never beaten Kentucky. They had not actually, Arkansas as a program had not beaten Kentucky since 2012. So this was a very long winning streak that Kentucky had had over that program. You knew going into this game that Arkansas was going to be hungry. We, we kept talking about it. You knocked that team away from being able to win an SEC title in their their program's best or best season, arguably their best season. They were going to come out ready. And in that first set, it actually was very reminiscent of the first set in Arkansas that Kentucky played a week and a half ago. Kentucky came out and put their foot on Arkansas's throat. They were up about seven or eight points in that first frame. And if you remember, Kentucky had, I think it was seven total set points in that first frame. Arkansas goes off on a five to nothing run. Kentucky ended up winning that set, but they won it 25, 22 instead of 25 to 16 or 17. And Arkansas is one of those teams that if you give Julian Gillen, if you give Taylor head momentum, it can snowball in a hurry. And we saw in that second frame, Arkansas takes that set. The third frame was a beatdown. I mean, it wasn't even close. Arkansas ran away with it. Kentucky scrapped out, scrapped out that fourth. But that's why when you hear coaches and us say, you cannot, when you have set point, give a team a 5-0 run to end it. Even if you win the frame, we talk about it all the time. Volleyball is such a momentum sport. It is so tied into your emotion and how are, how is your mentality as a hitter going up against that block? When you give a team confidence, even if they go on to lose that frame, that carries into that next set. And, and for Arkansas, I think it carried into the rest of the match. I, I think they saw, all right, that match started very much like what they did to us in Fayetteville, but we responded this time. And if we can respond, then we can then put the aggression on them. And that's what happened the rest of that match. You mentioned it, 31 hitting errors. A lot of what we saw today out of Kentucky is what we saw from them in that non-conference. We talked about it after Purdue when they lost in five. Man, they showed so many glimpses of how good this team could be, but then they reverted back to the errors and the not being terminal. That's what happened today. A lot of errors for a team that for the last two months has been so efficient. It's not just been the balance. We've been talking about it. Yeah, it's great that you've got four or five players that can give you eight kills or more. It's the efficiency that we were so impressed with. It's, oh my goodness, they're not just getting 10 kills. They're also hitting at a 500 clip. Today, the highest on the team was Ajani at 435, and she really wasn't doing that until late in the fourth set and then the fifth set. That's when she really, I think, got going. For most of that match, Kentucky was really, really stagnant in their offense 
Brooklyn ends the day with 67 attempts. That's another thing. We have not seen that. This has been a team that has been so good because Emma and the offense have been running it to everywhere. It's been Brooklyn. It's been Aaron. It's been Elise. It's been Ajani. The next highest attempts was Aaron Lamb at 32. Kentucky honestly reverted to Arkansas's way of playing. Very left pin dominant. They did not get the middles involved a whole lot until late. Reagan Rutherford really, really struggled today after having a phenomenal first weekend. She was struggling both from an efficiency standpoint, from a kill standpoint, only 11 kills for her through five sets is really, really low for her. And even a blocking standpoint, we saw her be so effective against those left sides in Arkansas down in Fayetteville about two weeks ago. Tonight, she just felt like she really couldn't line up against Jillian Gillen and Taylor Head. And you you expected that, right? We, we, we figured that those two seniors were going to come out and really attack that block more and more efficiently after what happened in Fayetteville. But Reagan is, a lot of people, myself included, consider her the best right side blocker that Kentucky has had. And she today, I mean, she still, still had four blocks, right? She was still efficient defensively, but it just wasn't as characteristic of what we've seen from her. Um, let's talk about that, the, 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 the hitting attempts. What did you see? Why was Kentucky setting the left pin so much more today? I think it's because your middle struggled. Mm-hmm. And if you see what middles are lined up with Brooklyn, it's Elise. And Elise struggled a lot today. And so at that point, as a setter's mentality is, okay, well, if you are struggling right now, I cannot set you. So I have to set somebody else. Only other person front row with her is Brooklyn. So Brooklyn gets that. Now, 67 attempts is a number that you do not see from Power 5 schools, regardless of what level you are on, from the lowest in the conference to the highest. That's an insane amount of number. Now, for me personally, I think that that's way too much for me. Even yeah. if everybody else is struggling, 67, that's a number that I've maybe hit once or twice in my career and it wasn't in college. So that's what I'm saying. Like, that's a huge number. That's an insane amount of sets to take. And that's an an amount of pressure that I don't know Brooklyn as a freshman, we've talked so much about her, but taking 67 swings in a sweet 16 match in your first NCAA tournament is a lot of pressure. That's too much pressure Mm -hmm. in my opinion. And when you look at her final box, only seven errors for 67 swings is really, really good, especially from a freshman. The problem is she only hits 134. She gives you 16 kills, but only hits 134 because they were relying on her so much. I didn't think Kentucky passed the best today. They weren't awful in the passing phase of the game today, but they weren't great. Um, and, And for whatever reason, I think this is what we see from a lot of teams when you get in that tournament. When things get tight, right, your tendency is we got to go to the left side, right, because that's just what you're calling. It's where the setter is facing. It, it's the most easy set to make. So I think a lot of teams, when things get tight and teams panic, the tendency is go to that left pin. I felt like Kentucky played panicked after that first set. When things got tight, they really started pushing so many balls to Brooklyn. And Brooklyn's great. Like I said, seven errors through 67 swings is phenomenal. Still, what you're getting, what you're getting out of her as a freshman is really, really impressive. But that's not a load that she should have had to carry, especially on this team, because of how good and how balanced they've been, especially over the last two, three months. This wasn't something we were expecting to see. We knew Arkansas was going to come in and and play with a chip on their shoulder. Um, But I do think in some ways, Kentucky beat themselves today. I'm going to give all all the credit to Arkansas played great. Arkansas picked up some digs today that reminded me of Nebraska, some swings that Ajani had, some swings that Brooklyn had, where Against most teams, that's a kill, and they dug them. So credit to Arkansas. Their defensive game plan, the way they were reading the hitters for Kentucky, was great today. I don't want to take anything away from them, but there were several opportunities and times where I thought, setting choice, why did you go to Brooklyn? Or the swing, oh, I was so wide. You tried to do way too much with that ball. Yeah. Those are the instances where, again, from freshman Brooklyn, 
she'll learn as she gets older. That's a ball where you reset the point. That's a ball where you just keep it in play. It's not a ball where you have to swing at it, right? I thought Aaron Lamb was Kentucky's standout player today. Again, we talked about her struggles early in the season. Eventually, Megan Wilson takes that spot from her. Aaron Lamb did everything she could to will this team to a win. She gives you 15 kills on a 312 clip. She was really the one player that I felt like when she went up to swing, Almost every time it was a kill. She was unafraid. What did you like out of Aaron today? I mean, she played with the confidence that we saw her play Arkansas the first time. Last yeah. weekend, she kind of struggled. We really didn't hear much from her in terms of stat-wise, but she came to play against the team that she really needed to play against, the team that she had her breakout game against. I just liked how efficient she was. When everybody else was making errors, she still kept the ball in and was smart. And at that point in the game, sometimes that's better. That's why she hit 300 is because she was being smart about her choices, and she hit what she always could hit. She didn't start doing anything new. She didn't start changing how she was hitting. She got blocked a couple times. That happens, but she didn't change anything because she got blocked. She still hit that sharp cross, still went off the hand, still threw in tips, still hit down the line. She still did everything she has always done and didn't let Arkansas affect her way of play, which I saw with everybody else. It's like, oh, they blocked the ball they haven't blocked before, or that this is happening that hasn't happened before. Now I need to change what I'm doing instead of being like, no, that was a lucky block. I'm going to hit that shot again, and she's not going to get it. Get it. Different, different. Mentality. I watched the tape of Kentucky's last match against Arkansas, the one in Fayetteville this week before this match. And one of the things that stood out was Kentucky touched everything at the net. Either it was a block that went straight down or they were getting a block touch that was an easy dig for the back line. The funny thing is, this is one of those matches where you look at the box score and it's frustrating if you're a Kentucky fan because you outkilled Arkansas, you outdug Arkansas, Emma had more assists than the opposing setter, like you had more players in double figures. This is one of those games where if you're a Kentucky fan, you're frustrated because you're like, how did you lose that match? But I think one of the things that stands out was the blocking. Even though Kentucky had nine blocks, which is a pretty solid number, Arkansas had 10. That's an undersized Arkansas team. Really, you I don't think either one of us expected Arkansas to be out blocking Kentucky. Um, mm -hmm. Kentucky's block just didn't feel as active, both in terms of getting actual blocks, but even in terms of getting block touches. When we've been talking about this team over the last two months, it's been their transition game. It's been, man, they are digging so many balls off of those block touches. That's what's leading to that efficient offense because by the time Kentucky runs their offense, it's so fast the other block doesn't have a chance to get in system and get set. Kentucky wasn't getting those block touches nearly as frequently today. Their back line actually performed really well. 81 digs in five sets. Eleanor Bevan gives you 25 digs. Really big number. Molly Tuzzo gives you 10. Um, Emma Grome gives you 15. Like they, they, they had some really good players in that back line for them. But unfortunately, it just wasn't coming in instances where you need, you don't have to get a block, but you need a touch on Taylor Head. You need a touch on Jillian Gillen. Slow the ball down and give your defense a chance. Chance to not only dig the ball because we did see that but sometimes we saw a dig that led to an error we saw a dig that led to an easy tip for Arkansas to cover that wasn't what we were seeing out of Kentucky for the last three months they had been so good and so efficient about digging that ball and then immediately killing it um let's talk about a Johnny Teeler obviously one of the most beloved Wildcats that Kentucky has had in a very long time unfortunately for her her illustrious career at Kentucky ends tonight she does not she used that COVID year this year so she is officially done Elise Getzinger Reagan Rutherford Raya Walker they have decisions to make now they obviously are the last class that have that option to come back for a COVID year we're waiting to hear decisions from those three we'll see if they are back but let's talk about Ajani one of the most um well, well I'll let you start what what do you love about Ajani when you, you I know you know her personally you've seen her throughout her time here at Kentucky what is it about Ajani let's reflect on her career 
oh, I shed a tear in those last couple of months. I was like, no, it can't be the end. It can't be the end for her. But I just love like her as a person. I think everybody talks about volleyball, but her as a person stood out to me the first time I ever met her. And I told her that on her senior night. I said, I met you once and you were hooked. That's my little sister. I love her dearly from the first moment she stepped on campus i mean she made a name for herself i mean she is big and strong and she made sure everybody knew she was but she wanted to work so hard to be as good as she could and that freshman year she got multiple times and moments to be able to play and she took those moments and she ran with it and it was so exciting to see her it was so exciting to see her take on that new role of playing middle like as a right side, as a pin, you've always been a pin your entire life. And for someone to tell you you're going to go play middle is one of those like things that you're like, you have lost your mind. Mm -hmm. And all of us thought that they had lost their minds. When we all found out that she was practicing in middle. We were all like, has he lost it? Like he's lost it. We were like, okay, maybe it's time to go pray. <laughs> maybe it's time to retire. Because we were like, what? Why would you do that? And it ended up being the best possible thing she could do for her career. And just watching her grow and mature as a leader holding on to those principles and values that we set in place when we were pushing Kentucky to the point where sweet 16s were normal, seeing her carry on what we all started and push that onto the other teams and be like, no, 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 no. That 2017 team set these expectations when they did what they did and we're going to keep it on. And so it was fun for us as alumni to see her carry on the fight and the type of swagger that we all loved playing with. And she wanted to push that through whatever team that she was playing on, but just, she's just a fantastic person and such a great person to look up to because she just loves the sport of volleyball. Her as a person, she is so strong in her faith. It is beautiful to see. And she just wants everybody around her to be happy in the best possible version. And you can ask for a better person and teammate to play with and to represent Kentucky for the five years that she got to do. It. I mean, she did everything anyone could ever want to do in their career. She did it. And she can, she can look back at it and say like, dang it, maybe all over this loss, but with all the things that she accomplished, you can definitely look back at your time at Kentucky and be like, I did some things that I should be very, very proud of myself. I think you and I both have unique takes on Ajani because you obviously are a former athlete. I've covered her as a member of the media. Um, you know, look, they're going to love you regardless because you're, you're, you're a former athlete. They have to love you, right? It's like family. The cool thing about Ajani is that she didn't have to, to be as open and great as Ajani is. If, if you have ever met Ajani, whether you're a fan, a, a family member, a, a, a teammate, a friend, a someone that covers her, she is one of the kindest, most genuine human beings that you will ever meet. Um, the epitome of what it means to be a teammate first, to put the team above yourself. You mentioned it coming in as a pin hitter, playing right side for Kentucky her freshman year, and then going into that offseason when Kentucky is in the middle of a global pandemic, going to go on to win a national title. I did that story on her a couple of years ago, and, and we talked about that shift. And I remember her telling me, I walked into Craig's office and he wrote four positions on a piece of paper and it was like setter libero middle blocker um and one more position that was just so crazy crazy thing to do um and he said which position do you think that you can play and i remember she laughed and said setter maybe i don't know um and he looked at her and said no we want you to play middle blocker and, and again ajani being five foot nine on a good day but let's say five foot ten on a good day she's five nine we'll <laughs> give her five ten on a good day that's not that's unheard of right the average middle blocker in college is around six two six three six four and ajani's going up and you got to think put, fast forward to that national title game playing texas going up against you know breon butler and asia o'neill these massive middle blockers for texas one of the most esteemed programs in college volleyball and she leads Kentucky to that national title. Ajani never 
never moped. She never was frustrated. I mean, you got to think too, she is transitioning to a completely new position going from a right side to a middle blocker. And if you're not familiar with volleyball, that's a big deal. A middle blocker is, in my opinion, the hardest position to play in volleyball because you are running constantly. I yeah. was a middle and I got moved <laughs> to the penny real quick. <laughs> it is so hard to be an effective middle and Craig and the staff believed in her and her athletic ability. And she believed in the team. She believed in Craig and she approached that season with whatever the team needs, I'm going to do. And that is how she approached every year of being a middle blocker. I remember the first time that first game in August when she played and I saw her, I remember I photograph a lot of the game. So I'm watching through a lens and it took me about eight plays, eight rotations to figure out that Ajani was not a pin hitter. I was like, where is she playing? And I finally figured out it was middle. And I was with you. I thought Craig had lost his mind, but she <laughs> ends up leading Kentucky, obviously, to not only the program's first national title, but the SEC's first national title. Because obviously college volleyball is dominated usually by the Pac-12, the Big Ten. Um, so cannot say enough great things. She ends with five SEC championships. Also the first student athlete to do that in college volleyball for any program in the SEC, I believe. And then obviously the national championship, what she accomplished in her time at Kentucky is something that will not nor should not ever be forgotten. The true epitome of class and the epitome of putting the team above herself. Even tonight when Kentucky was struggling, you saw her flip a switch and she said, give me the ball. I'll get us there. And she wheeled Kentucky in that fourth set to get them to a fifth. She ends with 12 kills tonight, only two errors, hits 435, gives you five blocks and a dig. I mean, really gave you everything she had. One of the most genuine and kind people, seriously, that you will ever meet. Um, always willing to talk and take pictures with fans and, and be willing to share her story and her testimony, as you mentioned. Um, just seriously, an all-around fantastic human. Let's recap the season now. I don't think if if you or I would have been told Kentucky is going to make a run to the Sweet 16 after that uh, Tennessee loss when they got swept at home, I don't think either one of us would have thought it because Kentucky at that point was 3-7. and seven. They hadn't been able to compete really with any top-ranked teams in the country. Obviously, they won that match against Houston um, that eventually I think was swept. No, they, they lost to Stanford in five in the, in the last round. Um, so so they, they were okay. They were playing okay, and obviously they played played well against Nebraska at times in that first go around, but really got dominated by Pittsburgh twice, got dominated by Louisville, was a team that we saw glimpses and flashes of what they could be, but ultimately could just never compete against the best teams in the country. And then they go on that SEC, a league that is so much improved, that is so much better than when you played, Leah, and they just hit a gear that I don't think either one of us thought was possible. We both thought they were going to be good and, and they were going to figure it out, but neither of us thought they were going to get through that league with one conference loss. We, we both assumed that the, the conference champion this year would have three or four losses and Kentucky gets through it with one loss. Just a really, really impressive run through the SEC. I know when you're looking at an NCAA tournament loss, you know, you're not satisfied with an SEC championship, but let's talk about that run. Cause I, it, it cannot be overlooked, but what Kentucky accomplished in the league this year. No, I mean, going into tournament time, I was like, they're just going to be pressing to make sure that the tournament team thinks they're good enough to get in the tournament. I was like, hosting is not an option right now. I was like, I don't even think about hosting. Just you better hope you get in. And so, like, after that Tennessee, I was like, oh, my God, this is going to be a long SEC season. Because at that point, Tennessee and Arkansas were both top ten at the same time. And I was like, I don't – what are – what are we going to do with those two? Like, there's no, you didn't know what you're going to do with those two. And, and so they had both competed with Wisconsin at the time. Both of them had yeah. pushed into five sets looking like, oh man, they're going to be crazy good. Yeah. Like at that point, everybody was like, okay, Kentucky, I guess this ain't your year. Like maybe next year. Like even I was like at AU and people were like, 
what is going on in Kentucky? And I was like, I don't know. I don't know. And so to see them make that switch, I mean, the coaches talked about it the entire time. Like, no, we know what we have. And I mean, I saw it in practice. I was like, I know what they have, but like, why isn't it showing up on the court? And I don't know what they said in practice. I don't know what flip switched when they played Tennessee. But after that game, it was kind of like one of those, like, we're not letting anyone do that to us ever again. They're not going to beat us that way on our court. We're not going to get swept, period, ever again. And that's exactly what happened. They never got swept again after that game. Every win they had was in four or a couple in five. But other than that, they played such complete and clean volleyball. They found their group. There wasn't a bunch of switching back and forth anymore of positions. I mean, we saw multiple middles, multiple outsides. And I mean, in the midst of that, you lost your best right side. And I think that's what probably pushed them to mature a little bit. Because I don't know if this happens, if keeper, mm-hmm. if Reagan doesn't get hurt, I don't know if this, if that happens anymore because, because they were in such a rhythm with that group. I don't know if that happens because when she went down, it forced other people to have to step up, to be mature, to realize, okay, we can't just depend on one person. They can't put all that pressure on Brooklyn. It was like, okay, everybody else has to step up. So then all of a sudden people stepped up. So then when she came back in, she flowed in so nicely. Like you didn't feel as if like, oh, there was something missing. It was more like, okay, well, she's back. Now we have another offensive weapon on top of all the other offensive weapons that we have now established since she's been gone. So I don't think you hate when people get hurt, but if she didn't get hurt, then what ha- what they did doesn't happen because it didn't force people to have to really play the volleyball that they were knew- they knew they could. It was kind of like, I'll let somebody else do it and I'll play my role when it needs to be played. But then after that, everyone played their role. But to see that switch of them locking in, especially with how many away trips they had in the middle of that spurt, like that, that takes a mental stability and confidence that a lot of teams don't have to be able to play that many games, knowing that the entire country thinks y'all ain't it anymore and that Kentucky has fallen off. To be able to do that and put themselves in a position to win an SEC championship, I mean, and sweep what every team, after the last two weeks, the last week when everything was on the line, you swept every single team except yep. for maybe one Missouri, either Missouri or Texas A&M, I believe. I think they took so, that I think set off. You to four. You went to four of both of those, but regardless, still yeah. two tournament teams, right? You, and then you swept Arkansas, you swept Florida, then you swept right into the tournament. Like that's an unheard of run to go on. So it put yourself back in a position where you were a two seed. You hosted the first two rounds and you went to the Sweet 16 to see that push and change is like, I mean, it is. We talked about it. That was one of Craig's maybe best coaching jobs that he has done since he's been at Kentucky to make that team switch. Because at that point, a lot of other teams would have been like, oh, well, like, I guess we'll we'll find our way into the tournament. But like, we're not going to win the SEC. So why are we even trying? And they never had that mentality at all. And and. This loss does not change that, right? Craig's, you mentioned it, Craig's coaching job this year is one that you've got to look at and say, maybe the COVID year because they won the title, right? And it was a global pandemic. I mean, it's hard to beat that. But to make this turnaround, to have, you know, the team, when you have an injury to a star player, your team's going to respond one of two ways. You're either going to rally and find a way to do it, or you're going to fall. And Kentucky very easily could have fallen. They were three and seven. That could have gone downhill fast, right? That first match that they played was that five-setter against Georgia. You lose that match when you still have to play Arkansas twice. You still have to play Florida twice. You've got to play Auburn. That's a a loss that very well could have turned into Kentucky staring on the barrel of a a four and 11 season or something. I mean, it it truly was that Georgia match 
match was a turning point. And I think when you look back at this season, you look at the highlights, that match is one of them, at least giving you that short serve that won you the match. Um, Aaron coming in the fourth or in the fifth set against Arkansas at home and winning you that game against Arkansas. Obviously the sweep over Tennessee on the road when Reagan came back to really kind of say, this is Kentucky and this is what this team can be. And then obviously winning that SEC championship, a share of it down in Fayetteville with a sweep and then capturing it outright over another ranked team in Florida on your home floor in Rupp, the last game, the regular season in Rupp. Just so many really, really cool moments for this team. Again, I know fans don't want to hear it. Players don't want to hear it. You don't want a moral victory, right? It's like, oh, we lost in the NCAA tournament. And the match that I think I think you can say you weren't supposed to. You weren't supposed to lose to Arkansas. You were the higher seed. You shown – look, even after tonight's game, I think Kentucky at their best is far better than Arkansas at their best. And I yeah. think – that match was on display in the, the match in Fayetteville. Tonight, you ran into a team that said, you're not beating us a third time. We're old. We're veteran. This senior class has never beaten Kentucky. It's our best season in program history. We are going to go out with a bang, and we're going to, at the very least, go to the Elite Eight. They now have a matchup against Nebraska, and unfortunately, we don't get to see that, that clash between Kentucky and Nebraska. I think a lot of people were looking at the way Kentucky was playing and going, man, I'm really intrigued by that matchup. What does that look like? You don't get to see it. It's going to be Nebraska against Arkansas. Funny because Nebraska is a team that is so, so, so young and Arkansas is a team that is so, so, so old. I don't think, I think I heard today Nebraska doesn't have a single senior on its roster is unheard of and obviously Arkansas is full of them full of seniors and graduates so that's going to be a, a clash between some veterans and some freshmen still think our, or still think Nebraska is going to pull that one out but you know it, we'll see how how far Arkansas can take this but again you can't say enough great things about what Kentucky was able to accomplish this year wasn't the result they the coaching staff the fans wanted I think a lot of people saw what they were doing in the last half of the season and thought they could really make a push towards that final four but we're going to turn now to the future of Kentucky because I think there's still a lot to be excited about with what Kentucky's got going back obviously we don't know about Reagan Rutherford Elise Getzinger Raya Walker so we'll leave them out right now but you look at Brooklyn delay coming back. You look at Molly Tuzzo coming back. Bevan is back. Emma Grome is back. Um, Jordan Williams is back. I think Brooke, Brooke Baltima is, is obviously mm-hmm. going to be back. There's a lot of excitement around what she can bring in her sophomore campaign. Um, obviously, what we figure out from Reagan and Elise is going to be a big part of, of how Kentucky looks next year. But let's just talk about the pieces that we know are coming back. Talk about what you see on Kentucky's roster for next season. Well, I mean, you're bringing back your two starting outsides, which I think is huge. And Mm -hmm. in the middle position, you are losing two four-year starters or three and a half, depending on how you want to say it. Mm -hmm. But you're bringing, you're now putting someone in a starting position that played this season and played through all that tough time. And I think that's important with having Jordan Williams now being able to transition into a spot where she really is like playing all the time. Brooke is fantastic. I've seen her in practice. She does some things that I have not seen from a middle as a freshman. And so she'll be, a, I'm assuming, redshirt freshman next year because she didn't play this year. She'll have the experience. She'll get to go through a spring and then really push into her first season. I think it's going to be good. You've got two girls right now signed for Kentucky that are dynamic. I've watched them play before. They are really fun and exciting. And they can definitely make a push to get in there too. It's going to be really interesting to see what happens with that right side position? You have Jordan Daly on the bench who is learning how to play right side of the pin. She was in the middle that they moved to a pin. Kind of did it a di- little bit differently than I did. I played outside in, in high school. She has not played any type of pin position, so she's still learning. So it'll be interesting to see her go through a spring. Um, spring for volleyball is super, super important. That's where you make 
big, big jumps because now you're not pressing to get ready for a season. You can sit there and be meticulous and work on every little skill that somebody might need to work on. And that's what's going to happen. They're all going to go back to Lexington, have meetings with the coaches, try to figure out where they need to be and start working on that in the spring. So expect to see big jumps from everybody, hopefully, going into next season. But I'm intrigued to see. We got a lot of people in the transfer portal right now, yep. a ton of people in the transfer portal right now. And so I'm intrigued to see if Kentucky brings in some of those pieces from some schools. There are some big-time hitters from the Big Ten that are now trying to find new homes, and Kentucky might be the place for them. We have Megan Wilson still here. It'll be intriguing to see if she stays on the left side pin or if they try to make a transition to the right back to the right side for her and put more of that pressure on her to go back onto that right side, not knowing where you are right side position wise, maybe putting that type of pressure on her. So it'll be interesting to see how the off season goes. I think right now is a really big wait and see on who is coming back first. I think you see that and then you kind of figure out what pieces you need to add or maybe just keep. Mm -hmm. And this is this is that final off season where it's it's one of those wait and see if you're coming back for another year, right? This is that yeah. final class that gets that extra year of eligibility. And again, just because Reagan, Elise, Raya, just because they're seniors does not mean they're done. I was told by a good source that Reagan was not making any kind of decision, wasn't even thinking about next year until the end of this year. She was solely focused yeah. on leading that team to a possible national championship. So these are decisions that a lot of these athletes don't make until they know for certain when their season is done. Um, you know, even when you're thinking about, uh, can we get a national championship? That's one of those things where you're so focused on that goal and that being your priority, you aren't worried about next year. And so, um, just because they're seniors right now does not mean necessarily that they are officially done. Now they might, they might go ahead and go, right. You, you've done this before. It's a lot to play your entire childhood as a, as a volleyball athlete and then do club that's super demanding and then go into college and play college for four years. It's not like collegiate basketball where you can go pro after one year and it's like, oh, well, I'm still young. Like these are grown women that some people want to just get on with their quote unquote real lives and they want to move on to their career paths and figure out what they want to do um, for their for their careers and their jobs. So we'll see what happens. Those athletes just have that option because of that COVID year. Going to be really interesting to see because like you said, if Reagan is back, we'll just play the what if game. If Reagan comes back, if Elise comes back, you're bringing back everyone but a Johnny Teeler and you're throwing in a Jordan Williams or a Brooke Boltima. Jordan Williams, when she played this year, she was very much a, a middle blocker that Craig loves her blocking ability on almost yeah. more than any middle that he had this year. He believes that she is a very fit and she is a very physical blocker. One that really puts pressure on opposing defenses, both in terms of giving you blocks that score for points or just touching balls high, getting off high hands and giving your back line a chance. So Jordan Williams is one that they are really excited about. She came into Kentucky very highly ranked, a lot of excitement around her signing until she had that injury her freshman year. This was the first year that we got to see her play where she was playing significant game action and she didn't disappoint. And that's what's really exciting because sometimes when you come off of an injury, you can start slow, there's rust, there's, oh, are you ever going to get back to what you were? Jordan played really well for Kentucky in that stretch of games when Reagan Rutherford was out and Ajani had to move to the right pin and Jordan had to scoot back into the middle. She gave yeah. Kentucky a lot of good. And again, I think she was ahead of schedule offensively, right? She's kind of seen as more of a defensive middle, but she did a really nice job scoring for Kentucky when she was playing. She was aggressive on the slide, like a really, really um, interesting and exciting middle blocker for them. 
The thing about Ajani that you miss is that Ajani was a unique middle blocker, right? She could hit off two feet behind the setter. That's not what most, that's not what really any middles can do. Ajani was undersized and had that explosive athleticism, so she could do it. So you are going to miss that. It's going to change the way that Kentucky plays offense in the middle. They've had Ajani as an option for five years. Think about that five years that you've had Ajani as an option four as an actual middle, but five years that you've had her swinging in some capacity on the right pin, that is going to change the way your offense looks. You've got to adjust now to where you don't have the ability to just run Ajani off two feet behind you. Somebody's going to have to learn how to do the slide outside of Elise too. Cause even if Elise yeah. is back, you've got the slide with Elise, but you better make sure Jordan Williams has the slide or you better make sure Brooke Voltima has the slide. The coaching staff is going to have to be again, really interesting. And look, we know that this coaching staff loves finding unique ways to play. Craig says all the time, if you're an athlete, I'm going to find you a way to get you on the floor. Even if it's a way that's untraditional or a way that's, you know, not characteristic of what most teams will do. I'm going to find a way to make sure you're on the floor. Cause we got to keep you on it. And so look, I look for Kentucky for Craig Skinner to figure out whatever that looks like his best athletes are going to be playing for Kentucky next season. And like you said, if Reagan Rutherford does not come back, Megan Wilson actually played right side at Oklahoma. That is her natural position. So when they were using her on that left pin because they didn't know what they were going to have in that battle between Brooklyn and Aaron and, and obviously Megan, um, you know, they, they moved her to that left pin because of that. Even tonight, we saw him take Reagan out and he put Megan in on that right pin, right? When Megan was at Oklahoma, she was playing six rotations on the right side, giving you the ability to serve, the ability to hit out of the back row. She is an, an interesting piece that I just don't think ever got rolling because I never think she was, I never thought she was, she was comfortable swinging on that left pin. Um, yeah. It doesn't seem like it would be that big of a difference, but it is a big difference swing on the left side compared to the right side. So, um, you know, that's another interesting piece that you've got coming back. You mentioned the transfer portal, the way that college athletics are right now, that transfer portal is going to be so, so important. We see big names go into it every year, right? Two years ago, it happened to Kentucky. Maddie Skinner entered the transfer portal and, and they had to fill that hole and they got Adonna Rollins, which is a pretty good, a pretty good replacement, right? So we know that this coaching staff can hit that and can use that effectively. We'll see if they elect to go to that. I know they're high on their freshmen coming in as well. Um, and they've like, like, like we said, Brooklyn and, and, Molly being coming back, I think is the biggest excitement for this team. Cause even tonight in a match where um, pressure was on the line, they were asked to do a lot. They both performed exceptionally well. And the fact that you get three more years of Molly and Brooklyn here in a Kentucky uniform is really, really, really exciting. So we're going to wrap things up another great season. I don't think Lee and I can thank you all enough, seriously, for joining us on point Kentucky this year, the first iteration of a volleyball podcast here in the state of Kentucky the program that the sport has been growing so much in the state. Obviously, Louisville, unfortunately for Kentucky fans, scrapes by in five sets over Creighton in that Elite Eight. So I'm sure that's going to add a little bit of sting into things. They beat you this year and they made the Elite Eight. So um, we'll see if they get past Pitt. We'll, we'll see. That, that jury's still out on there. But seriously, thank you guys so much for joining us on Point Kentucky this year. I know Leah and I have had so much fun getting to talk volleyball. Leah, thank you so much for joining me this year. We didn't know what it was going to look like. If I'm hosting it, I need somebody that knows volleyball better than I do. So thank you for joining us this year. Oh, I loved it. You guys got the I, – I love being able to do college and then throw my pro stuff in there. I feel like we got – so much volleyball information. I hope everybody just knows so much more about the sport and loves it even more and is just fiending for more volleyball next year. 
And that was the goal of this podcast. It obviously was a covering the Kentucky program first goal, but we wanted to be able to tell the stories of the athletes, the stories of the coaches, the stories of Leah, the stories of former athletes getting to have Kaz and Allie on. I mean, that was one of the most fun things I've gotten to do, period, covering you all, was getting to talk to all three of you all and talking about, um, you know, your all season in, in pro. And obviously you guys are going to be back next year. Eh? You will be back next year for 2024. That's been confirmed. We don't know when, we don't know where. So that's still, jury's still out on that. Um, but Leah's getting ready to start another pro season in January. Lee, why don't you talk a little bit about that? Just that way fans can continue watching you and following you along. Yeah. So there's a new pro league starting It's called professional volleyball federation. It's more traditional pro sports, like NFL and NBA like that. we got seven different cities. So Atlanta, Columbus, Omaha, Grand Rapids, um, Vegas and San Diego and first games on January 24th. And it's actually Atlanta versus Omaha. So it'll be me and Allie playing. Um, Kaz plays for Orlando. There is a chance that maybe a couple of these seniors, if they decided to put their name in, we might see them on a team. I'm praying that they're on our team. If they're going to go anywhere, I've definitely been putting their name in. But yeah, <laughs> I was like, um, if they're available, I think you should choose these ones. Yeah. I'm really high on Z. I keep telling them, I'm like, Go get C, please. Yes. Thank you. Yes. But yeah, it's more traditional. There'll be games on every single day of the week, which I think is so, so cool. We're still working on TV network things. I don't have any information on where you'll be able to watch, but if where if you're anywhere near Columbus or Atlanta, please or Orlando where Kaz is, please come watch. It's such a big deal to be able to play professional volleyball in the States and this league organization is just in the perfect spot to do it they've already added on five other teams for 2025 and we haven't even played a single season yet so that's super super exciting but it's really really cool please continue to support i will post all the information as soon as i find it on all my social media so if you're ever wondering what's happening where we're playing on how are you watch i definitely post it all over twitter and instagram but please 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 continue to support it your league also managed to get Gabby Curry Thompson out of retirement, possibly. She oh, my must, God. We freaked out when we saw that. So she yes. might be on the Omaha team. Uh, we kind of have a training camp, and then we'll get our official rosters of 14, like the third week of January. So we got to work through that. But they got her out of retirement, which is shocking. We mm -hmm. never thought she'd play volleyball again. So there's the potential to see a whole bunch of Kentucky Wildcats everywhere so we can drive everybody nuts in the pro game as much as we did in college um but please 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 watch we really need it um support it try to keep this thing running as much as we can the best way that you guys can continue supporting point kentucky and volleyball in general is keep watching look just because kentucky's out of the tournament volleyball is still going on there are still a lot of incredible matches so if you're sad, go turn on Texas and Tennessee. They're getting ready to tip off. I mean, there's a lot of volleyball left. Keep watching the sport. Keep watching Point Kentucky and sharing podcasts and media outlets. Anything that is covering the sport with your friends, with your family, the more eyes that get on the sport, the more it grows because people cannot watch this sport and not be entertained. It's it's impossible. It's how I fell in love with the sport. I watched it once and was hooked. So keep tuning in. Keep sharing the sport with your friends and all the incredible outlets that are covering it. Again, thank you guys so much for joining us, Leah. Thank you for joining me. We will see you guys next year. Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your 
first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text Hope NY in New York. 